All right, uh, great to see everyone today. So glad you're with us. Uh, just as a reminder, our kids are with us throughout the month of July, and uh, we're trying to do this. We've done this the last few years. We're, we're just trying to make it a habit. I, I think most people uh, will, will remember it as a habit now, but the kids are with us in July. It gives our uh, kids ministry workers a break. And uh, so anyway, so just if there's noise, it's all good, and I'm, I do try to go as fast as I can, but still say it in a way that hopefully you'll get at least one word out of it, all right? So uh, anyways, there you go. Oh, man. Oh. Uh, I was Bridge and I were talking about church conferences a couple weeks ago, and uh, I was at a church conference one time, and the, the pastor speaking gave a 45-minute offering message. Yeah, and then... And then he, <laughs> and then he preached for thirty minutes, and uh, so the pastor's wife that I was serving at the, or the, the pastor's mother I was serving at the time, she said, uh, "His I won't say the name because everyone would know who it was, but the guy, uh, he preached longer for the offering than he did his actual message. I thought that was funny. Uh, it was one of those preachers you're not supposed to make fun of because they're so holy. And uh, anyways, <laughs> I was getting, I got a kick out of that. Anyways, I won't do that to you today." Uh, good stuff. Now, here's the deal. Now, some of you, I know you're good at remembering things. Some of you are not, so this may not be for you. But if anyone could, re even just one person, could remind me at the end of our gathering today, right? Just a little current, ignore me for a second. At the end of our gathering today, we need to pile up all the chairs for kids camp. And then we need to bring up some chairs from downstairs. So if someone could remember, remind me to tell everyone that, or you can just start stacking chairs when we're done. I would, we would just greatly appreciate it. If I do it, it takes like an hour, right? If we all do it together, it's like five minutes, all right, or less. So anyways, there you go. And if you cannot lift a chair, please do not. All right, if you know that about yourself, just don't do it. It's okay. You don't have to prove anything to anybody. All right, I'll stack two, two chairs. All right, there we go. So please remind me of that. Chairs away upstairs, chairs from downstairs, upstairs. There you go. Okay, now Arlene's going to hate me for this, but could you zoom in on me as best you can, Arlene? I want everyone here, you can just kind of tune me out for a second. And in Little Current, I want you to look directly at me, all right? Now, here's the deal. I want to say something to our Little Current campus today. Uh, I want to say that we are with you. When you're, I know some of you think you're just coming to watch on a TV, but when you are joining us at our Little Current campus, you are with us, all right? We're together in spirit. We're all part of the same family. And I just felt it on my heart to share that with you today. Don't ever forget it. You're not uh, secondary in any way. We're all family. We're together. And uh, I know our staff is going to make an extra effort in the coming months to be a part of our Little Kern Campus gatherings as much as possible. And unfortunately, this is good, by the way, but unfortunately, we aren't like Jesus, and we cannot be in multiple places at once. All right? It's sad, I know, but only Jesus can do that. But we are going to do our best to be at the campus as much as possible, especially on Sunday. So if you're if those that are a little current campus today, we love you. You're just a part of it. We're live. Everything we do here, you see there, and we're happy to be joining with all of you, okay? So there we go. That's my little message. Thank you, Arlene. And now everyone here that's been ignoring me, please listen. All right. Today we're going to continue our dwell series of messages. Uh, after this message, we'll be taking a break, and we'll come back to it in the fall. And we're doing that because we have two teaching series that we're going to cover this summer. The first one is called Made for This. It comes from Ephesians 2.10. And then the second, we're going to talk about that uh, through July. And then the second series we're doing is called Faith 
grind. How many of you, uh, you may not understand that kind of terminology, but uh, when it comes to our faith, we actually have to work things out on a daily basis, right? Like it's not necessarily automatic or easy at times, but uh, we're, so we're going to give some teaching on how to kind of grind through the day-to-day and keep our faith strong in our Lord Jesus Christ. But today I'm excited to sh- uh, teach this message today, so let's jump into our uh, main scripture passage. It comes from John chapter 6, verses 1 through 13. The words will be on the screen, or they already are, and uh, but you can follow along in your Bible if you have one with you. And uh, what I want you to kind of contemplate, now these are some fancy words, so I hope you can uh, follow with me here, but just, just kind of remember this today. The wonder and mystery of the eternal Christ identifying with man. That's kind of what we're going to try to talk about today. In John chapter 6, verses 1 through 13, it says this. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And, uh, and this is our main passage. And a large crowd was following him because they saw so- the signs that he was doing on the sick. Verse 3, Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover feast, the the feast of the Jews was at hand. Uh, Verse 5, lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said to this to test him, for he himself knew knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy where he, uh, here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what, but what are they for uh, so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now, the, now there was uh, much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish as much as they wanted. When they uh, had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover uh, fragments, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with uh, fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. All right, so how many of you have heard that passage before? Jesus feeds the 5,000. We know it so well. Well, today I want to draw our attention to uh, this section and portion of the passage, simply John 6, verse 2. We're not going to talk about the bread and the fish. Well, actually, we'll talk about the bread a little bit, but we're not going to focus on that. We're, this is what I want us to draw our attention to. John 6, verse 2. So at the beginning of the section, it says, a huge, this is the New Living Translation, by the way. It says, a huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. I just want you to, Picture that for a second. A huge crowd following Jesus because of his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. What a picture. So let's use our imagination to see these crowds. If you have to close your eyes, close your eyes for a second. But let's use our imagination to see these crowds and the healings that took place. Now remember the Bible tells us that if they were to have recorded all the things Jesus did, the earth could not contain the works that he accomplished, right? So there was things going on there that... We, we can use our imagination to see that he may have done. Anything is possible and could have happened in these moments as we're imagining Jesus with this huge crowd at the sea. When we see Jesus in the Gospels, we see him around people. The exception is Jesus when he would withdrew, uh, withdrew himself and went with the disciples to the mountain. But the picture we see in this passage is our Savior who walked with us and still walks with us today. 
Have you ever found a place to just roam around? Has anyone ever found a place like that, you know? Like maybe it's in the forest, a meadow, somewhere with a unique landscape that you're in that kind of moment and you think, man, just stay here forever. This place may be different for different people, different ones of us here, but that, and that's fine. But as much as we want to do stuff, you know, how many of you are doers? Like, you can't sit still in your house. Maybe you're, you're, you're you know, how many of you have parents that are a little crazy and they're, like, cleaning all the time? Anyone or your spouse, you're married to someone like that? Uh, you know, like, some people just can't sit still. They're always doing something. When it comes to our relationship with Jesus, we tend to want to be doers, right? We want to read the Bible, pray, worship, tell people about Jesus, post things on Facebook. Like, the, the, we're just doing stuff whoa, right, all the time. But in fact, Jesus wants to, wants to just be with us, right? He just wants to be with us. He just wants to walk with us. That's why this past year, some of you, like me, have done the Authentic Life journals, and that's why it's been so important, because that's part of us just walking with Jesus. You can keep going with those journals if you want to, like me. You see, our message title, Dwell, the dwelling presence of the Lord Jesus among us is amazing. Did you know that? Just the presence of Jesus around us is amazing. Uh, we have some of you remember this. We installed a fireplace in the lobby, I think a year ago, somewhere around there. And uh, I remember Steve told me when we put it in, he's like, "People are just gonna love this." And I'm like, "Man, it's just fire! Like, you know, I can light fire, any you know." And it's funny because especially in the colder, we don't turn it on right now because <laughs> there's enough heat. But uh, in the colder months, as you know, uh, it's, it was great because on Sunday mornings, guess what? People would come in and just gather. Same is true for Jesus. He just, he's that flame in our hearts. He just wants us to be with him. We actually don't even need to do anything, right? He just wants us to be with him. This is our God who dwells among us. A.W. Tozer wrote this, Our Lord had been there from ancient time. How long had he been there? He had been there since before they were. For he was in the beginning with God, and it was his voice that called out of the vacuity of nothingness, all that loveliness above yonder. Before there were any hills or valleys, he was. And therefore, excuse me, and before there were any archangels or seraphim, he was. Before principalities and powers and mights and dominions raised their scepters, he was. This was the one who now is among the people, and he had received the worship of these heavenly powers. They had knelt unto him and cried, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And they had come in great crowds, knelt at his feet, and rendered homage to him, the Son of the Father everlasting. He had heard the voice of God, and he had gazed upon all the moral beauty that is in heaven. So when we see this scripture... A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went. This huge crowd kept following Jesus wherever Jesus went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. That person they're following, that person we still follow to this day, he is the one described by Tozer here. Before there were any archangels or seraphim, Jesus was. Before principalities and powers and mights and dominions raised their scepters, Jesus was, you know, 
if you uh, watch shows uh, online, you stream any shows, a lot of times uh, we'll, we'll find uh, documentaries and different shows that talk about the beginning of time, when time began. And our world has trouble accepting that there was time before time began, right? Like there was something before time began and that Jesus actually is before. If you're looking for, well, what was before? It's simply Jesus. Yes, I know our brains, or at least mine, maybe yours do, you're all smarter than me, but my brain just doesn't kind of get there, right? But that's because God has put a veil so that I cannot and you cannot see beyond a certain point. What a picture we see in John 6, verse 2. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Here's our first thought today. Jesus has great compassion. Imagine telling Jesus, the king of the universe, Jesus, can you heal me? Now, that's a kind of a natural thought for us. Jesus, can you heal me? Jesus, will you heal me? Like these people in the crowd. But think of what you're asking the before. The king of the universe, the one that was before time began, you are asking a favor. Can you help me out? Yet Jesus has great compassion. We know his answer was yes. He healed people. We see it in the scripture. Yeah, you're healed, he would say, something along those lines. So how do we categorize what's happening with this crowd? These people, this huge crowd following Jesus. Well, there's a deep spiritual significance to this picture we're looking at today. If we follow Jesus, what are we then? If we're like this crowd following in the steps of Jesus as he heals people, what are we? How can we be uh, categorized? Well, in the last 300 years, we would be categorized simply as theists. Well, what is that? That's a term that our world gives our, our thinking, our, our, our process, and our thought. Well, what is that? How would you define that? What is a theist? How would you find that, Pastor? Well, Tozer wrote, a theist is one who believes there is a God and that God does care something about us. There is a Savior and there is a Bible. I love how Tozer wrote it, that there is a God and he does care something about us. That's good. That's pretty amazing that he cares about you and me, right? He really doesn't have to. He doesn't have to care about us to exist and do whatever he's going to do. No, but he does care. Jesus cares for us. Let's jump to a few terms, some of which you may be familiar with, but I'll define them so that we're all on the same page. So again, a theist is one who believes there is a God and that God does care something about us. There is a Savior and there is a Bible. So here's another one that you'll be familiar with. Atheist. Well, what, how do we define that? Well, that's somebody who says there is no God. It's kind of simple, right? There is no God, period. Okay, there you go. Then we have agnostic. Well, that's somebody who says, I don't know if there is a God or not. So they're open to the concept in a way, but they, they won't admit or claim that there is a God or not. And then we have a deist. A deist says, yes, there is a God. There must be a God. But a deist believes in God, but does not believe that God cares about us. Now, that's a trick that a lot of us can fall into. Well, God don't care about me. That's a lie. It's not true. And then uh, we have a theist. Just as I said, a theist believes there is a God, that God cares something about us. There is a Savior, and there is a Bible. Now, I'm going to give you a little nugget here. Hopefully, it's enjoyable to you. 
But um, in the English language, um, our God always has a capital G when you write it. Okay? He's the only one. If you put it for any other God, you've grammatically put it incorrect. Okay? Now, you don't see my notes. Some of you, I don't know if you know, but I, I write everything I say down. Otherwise, I just stand here for two minutes and we'd be done. So you may like that, but this is how we roll. So I write everything down. And my mom actually taught me at a very young age that every time I use the word God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, Son, as in the Son of God, or anything like that, to capitalize the first letter of the word. Now, I've, I've noticed that so I'm not an English person, as you know. Like, I'm English. You, okay, I'm English. But I'm not obsessed with uh, grammar, is what I'm trying to say. Some of you are, and that's fine. It's okay. Right? Have you seen the people on Facebook that they comment on their friend's post? You didn't put an apostrophe in the right spot. It's like, seriously? Like, th those people I, I have a hard time with. So if that's you, don't tell me because cha it'll change our relationship. All right? But, I, but one thing that I always do is, and you'll, you can see it in my notes, I always, whenever I say Jesus, it's never a lowercase j. It's Jesus, capital J. Sometimes I put it all in capitals just because I get excited. All right? And, in, and, and, and it's important to us, and it's funny because even in the world around us, we know, and some people do it on purpose, they put lowercase letters just to, like, get the Christians angry, I think. But when Christians write Jesus and they don't put a capital J, I feel like commenting like those people on Facebook. Like, you're not talking about God anymore. That's just a dude. No, no. This is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So if you're going to look into and, 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 and believe these words, and like, again, theist is just a word that the world describes of people like us, basically, or like me, I should say. But a theist believes there is a God, God cares something about us, there is a Savior, and there is a Bible. Those are all things I agree with. I actually think God cares a lot about us, not just something, but it's okay. I, for argument's sake, we get it. So why are we down this road? Well, Jesus being fully God and fully man, the one who came from on high to dwell with these people. And still to us today, Jesus is our Savior with great compassion. Great compassion. I think of uh, sometimes uh, folks in our church, they'll just share with me a little, just a little bit maybe of what's going on in their life as they're comfortable. And it's totally fine. You don't have to do it, but if you choose to, I'm happy to listen and pray for you. Every single person that has ever shared any little detail of their life with me, I love the truth, whether I say it to someone or not. But Jesus is our Savior, and he has great compassion for us. I want you to know that whatever you're facing today, Jesus is your Savior, and he has great compassion for what you may be going through. Whatever you're facing, you may feel like, there's something in your life just maybe so out of whack. It's so messed up, and you can't put your finger. And maybe you can't even change it because it's to do, connected with somebody else. You, we can't change other people. Only Jesus molds us. But whatever you're going through, I want you to know that Jesus is our Savior, and he has great compassion on us. Do you know that when I give up on people, guess what the good news is? Jesus doesn't, right? I get, anno I get annoyed. It's like... I, I, I can't explain it. I, I, I've lost hope, but that's just me. Yeah, who cares? Jesus, our Savior, he has great compassion for us. We see this crowd in John 6, verse 2. Jesus went to this place where the 5,000 were fed 
Uh, he went actually there to be alone. Did you know that? He was going there to pull himself away from the crowds, but the crowds did not stop pushing and following after him. The, the crowds followed him as we've read in scriptures. And in spite of this imposition, think about it. Jesus, have you ever tried to get away from people? It's like when you have young children, right? You just, I just go into the bathroom. We, like, and then they, open, like, they break through the door. Blah, you know. Same kind of concept. The crowds followed him as we've read in the scripture. And in spite of the imposition, Jesus still ministers to this massive crowd. Some of you know we have a dog. Sometimes I like him. Sometimes I really don't. This morning, I just wanted 10 extra minutes asleep. Now, the person I'm married to, I'm not going to name any names, has allowed him to stay in our bedroom. And I come to bed late, and there he is in my place in the bed. Every night, every night. And he, you know, and so I put him in his, he has a, I, I have some, we have to have some rules. So he goes in the crate. I don't care how old he is. He doesn't need it. He's going in there. You come in there. I tell him the deal is you come in here, you go there. That's, he, I have to put him in there. He doesn't do it on his own. But, you know, he ends up there. Well, this morning, I just wanted five minutes. It's the summer. Let me have five more minutes. That stupid thing was whining. Whining. And, of course, the person I'm married to does not hear him. I even asked. That's, that's stinking animal. The dog, not the children. The dog. What an imposition to my sleep habits. So just that one animal destroyed any concept of my morning for a few minutes. But in spite of the, in spite of the imposition... Jesus still ministers to the massive, to this massive crowd. Incredible, incredible. But there's more. This is where we bring in the bread and the fish. So we, we know the story as Jesus feeds the 5,000. Well, here's our next thought. Jesus is the bread of life. You know this. The bread we eat from the grocery store is often not the greatest. Have you noticed this? If you're a bread connoisseur, you would know this. The bread we eat from the grocery store is often not the greatest. Have you ever had a really great, fresh, natural piece of bread that someone made for you? Any, have you ever done that, right? Man, my grandma made the best. She, she always, you know, she would, she knew I loved to eat, so my grandma said, she would, as soon as I'd walk in the house, there'd be baking, bread, cookies, butter tarts, the whole, like, everything. My, the other people in my family ate it, too, but I thought it was for me. Maybe your grandmother's similar to mine, or maybe your parents were bakers or something like that. In some ways, it's actually a lost art, right? We, some of us, we like me, I have no idea how to bake. If I do, it's just like blobs of stuff. Anyways, so in some ways, it's a lost art. Whenever I find a good bakery, I just feel good about it, right? If you find a good bakery, it's just like, man, everything's okay. Life is good, right? When Arlene and I went with our boys to Sweden last fall, uh, to visit some of my family, Arlene noticed that Arlene doesn't eat bread. Uh, Arlene doesn't eat bread. And Arlene noticed that she could eat, she could, <laughs> I don't know why she tried it actually, but she could eat more bread there because of the way they prepare it. It's prepared differently in different countries. And in Sweden, it's, it tends to be more natural and there's less additives to the food. So if you're like me, you may love a good piece of bread, right? And, and if it gets really good, if you get some nice butter on it, oh, 
right? And it's, it's, sorry, I know it's almost lunchtime. And then maybe, maybe even add a little bit of cheese and meat to this situation, and it's just glorious. It's just, they, they, there's three ingredients, but it's just amazing, right? So good. Well, Jesus paints this picture for us in our passage today as he's feeding the 5,000. Commentator Gordon Fee wrote this. Here Jesus himself takes the initiative in anticipating the need to feed the hungry throng of people. For he has a symbolic purpose in mind. Whereas in the synoptic gospels the disciples raise the issue from a purely practical standpoint. Compare the complete satisfaction of the multitude's hunger in verse 11 with the perpetual satisfaction of believers. Who gain eternal life. And the saving of all that leftover bread in verse 12 with Jesus' certain success in bringing salvation. Think about that. That bread was not just to feed the carnal needs of the people that were there. It's so much more. It's the compl- it represents the complete satisfaction of our hunger, our collective hunger for God. And our perpetual satisfaction as believers. And our It's the success of Jesus bringing salvation. That's what the leftovers represent. Jesus is the bread of life. He's come to save us. He has. The Dictionary of the Bible theme says this. I don't usually use dictionaries, but I wanted to today. The basic component of the staple diet in biblical times, consecrated bread was continually laid out in the Holy Palace. I would have survived these days. Well, yeah, I think I would have done, but I like bread. The consecrated bread was continually laid out in the holy place of the tabernacle and temple. Jesus Christ called himself the bread of life. Think about it. The bread that's constantly laid out in the holy place of the tabernacle, the place where God's spirit is supposed to dwell. Well, Jesus Christ calls himself the bread of life. Jesus wasn't just a foodie. We can see in this miracle performed, just as Gordon Fee wrote, and I said, Jesus is the bread of life, and it be, he, he, becomes a, he brings a perpetual satisfaction to our lives. Continuing on here, A.W. Tozer wrote, In Jesus Christ himself, we became part of him, and he became part of us, and took us up into himself, so that in one sense, when he died, as Paul said, we all died. So in Christ, when he died, we all died. Instead of the law putting one man to death for all, he put all men to death and raised from the dead all who believe in Jesus Christ. Think about that. For every one of us to believe in Jesus Christ, his death, and as he died, we all died. As he's risen, as he rose, we've all risen with him. The sinner dies alone, and the Christian dies in Christ. But every man dies for his sins. Now, this is where I want us to remember it's highlighted on the screen. He either dies by joining his heart to Jesus Christ and is tucked up under the wings of Jesus and dies in the body of Christ, or else he dies alone in his sins. I want everyone to clearly know today that you decide where you spend eternity. It's not me. I know that gets confused. You know, well, I'm besties with the pastor, so I'm good. No, that's no, no. I would say you're bad in that case. You're in trouble. I want everyone to clearly know you decide where you spend eternity. 
Each of us will die. Each of us has been crucified with Christ. If we had died alone, there would be no resurrection into eternal life. That's the truth. But because we died with Jesus and in Jesus, there is a resurrection into eternal glory and a new birth and a new glory to come. That's what eternal life means. There is new life in Jesus who is the bread of life. Some of us have come to that truth. For others, maybe not yet. Maybe we're not quite there. But my prayer today is that you would consider Jesus again, who is the bread of life. The one who has come to take away the sins of the world. I have, I, maybe I'm a little sick, I don't know. I was reading about the death penalty in Canada this week. Don't ask me why. I was reading about the death penalty in Canada. And some of you here will remember when that still happened in our country. I think these days we'd like to think that we've evolved past that way of thinking. I actually think that s some people, like in my generation or a bit younger, we actually don't know that Canada did have a death penalty. And it wasn't like 500 years ago. Well, there was no one here. Well, there was people here, but you know what I mean. There was no Canada. But we think we've actually kind of evolved. Well, uh, it's funny. Based on uh, polls in our country, I don't know if you believe polls or not, but if you do, based on polls, the truth is most people still are interested in the death penalty, but based on the polls. You know, it wasn't that long ago that this still happened in our country. I, I personally, here's, here's my personal note. I personally don't agree with capital punishment. Why? Because there's already been one that paid the price for our sins, and his name is Jesus. That's why. When Jesus Christ became man to dwell among us, he humbled himself. He did not degrade himself. He humbled himself. Church, when Jesus walked among us, as in our passage we've read, he walked among sinful men and women, just as he does today. I, I say this all the time, but I feel like it just needs to be said. There's no perfect people. If you believe that, whether you think you're perfect or you think someone else is perfect, it, no, it does not exist. There's one perfect person, and he gave his life for yours. Jesus is the transcending God, high and lifted up. His train, his robe, fills the temple. Logic says that our great God could not be among us. Logically, how could the God of the universe come to dwell among us? Logically, it's, it's hard to even explain it. But the mystery of the incarnation, which means God in flesh, Jesus among us, that mystery of the incarnation says he could dwell among us and tells us why. Because he, he loves us. Our final thought today is this, the great shepherd. In the late 1800s, Elizabeth Clefane, I don't know how to say her name. We'll just call her Elizabeth. She wrote this hymn, The Ninety and Nine. I'll read some of the words this morning. It's kind of like a poem, so I'll read it to you. It says this in this uh, hymn. There were ninety and nine that safely lay in the shelter of the fold. But one was out on the hills away, far from far off from the gates of gold, away from the tender shepherd's care. Pastor Chris, could you come help me? 
away from the tender shepherd's care. Lord, thou hast here thy ninety and nine. Are they not enough for thee? But the shepherd made answer, This of mine was wandered away from me, and although the road be rough and steep, I go to the desert to find my sheep. But none of the ransomed ever knew how deep were the waters crossed, nor how dark was the night that the Lord passed through. He found his sheep that was lost. Now here, remember this. Out in the desert, he heard its cry, sick and helpless and ready to die. I'll move along here. Why am I sharing this old hymn today with all of us? Isaiah 53, verse 5 and 6, you know it says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned, every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Finally, Tozer wrote this. He took our grief and our pain and our sins and took our future and our destiny and carries them all in his heart upon his shoulders. And there was no return from that. He left the earth, but he did not leave humanity. He took humanity with him. He took his humanity with him into his Godhead. And they are both by the right hand of God. Church, I came across an interesting discussion online uh, in the last couple of weeks. It just kind of made me think a little bit. And the concept of the discussion and question, uh, questioning was this. What would you say to someone that you knew guaranteed was about to die, like tragically? What would you say to them? If you knew that someone was guaranteed to die tragically, you, you can't say God has a great plan for you, a hope and a future, because what's about to happen isn't good. So what would you say to someone knowing that they are guaranteed to die by some tragic circumstance? Whatever the cause, there was nothing that I or anyone else could do to stop their death. What would we say? What would I say was the question that was being asked. And I actually took a step back and I spent some time thinking about this. But in that moment, if you're, if you're ever faced with that moment, it's really not time for any kind of cliché right? It's not even worth it to give a nice thought. You'll be okay. So what would I say? Most of you know I'm not really, I don't really consider myself a fancy person by any means, but I thought, what would I say? Fairly quickly, as I was thinking about this questioning, I came to this thought as to what I would say. And it's simply this. Jesus loves you and has died for you so that you can have eternal life and all you need to do is call in his name today and you will be saved you can mix those words up to your own version but that's what I would say and just like the hymn we just read out in the desert he heard its cry sick and helpless and ready to die Church, Jesus hears you and knows you by name. He knows every hair on your head. He knows your thoughts. He knows your heart. Kind of want to, that's just what I want to leave you with today. He knows your thoughts. He knows your heart. He knows everything about you. It's nothing to be ashamed of or to be guilty of, but you can come honestly to Christ. So what would I say to us today? 
Jesus loves you. He's died for you so that you can have eternal life. And all you need to do is call on his name today and you will be saved. I wasn't planning this, but I'm going to read a prayer and you can join in with me if you want. If you don't, don't. If you're watching online or in Little Current, you can join with me as well. Could the rest of the worship team come up here if you're available? And uh, if you could do that, um, that song again. Yeah, yeah. If you want to repeat after me, you can, but I'm I'm believing today someone's going to say this for the first time. This is what I call a salvation prayer. And it's simply this, dear God, I know I'm a sinner. And I ask for your forgiveness. I believe Jesus Christ is your son. I believe that he died for my sin. And that you raised him to life. I want to trust him as my savior. And follow him as Lord. From this day forward. Guide my life. And help me to do your will. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. One of our kids, through their mom, asked me what amen means. Do you know that amen means that we're coming into agreement with what's been spoken? It's not just a word. Don't ever mistake it. It's coming into agreement with what the Spirit has declared and what's been spoken so that it will be accomplished. So when we say amen, we're agreeing with God. Would you stand with me? Let's pray. If you've prayed that prayer for the first time today or you've made a new commitment, just please let me know at some point. And uh, if you're watching online, just send, send me a message. My email is jason at northernlife.church. It's on our website. It's no secret. I'd love to hear from you. Let's pray. So God, how deep your love is for us that passes beyond our understanding. God, that you gave your only son to die for us so that we would have eternity with you. God, I pray that this message series of dwell, Lord. God, I just pray that you would uh, really let it resonate in our spirits. And God, you are the one, Jesus, you are the one who's come to dwell among us. God in flesh incarnate to come to be with us and to save us. So Father, I just thank you for this teaching today. There's been a lot spoken. There's been a lot addressed. But God, I pray that these words would sink deep in, just like Bridget mentioned earlier, that we'd even get one word from you. Lord, I know that everyone here cannot take in everything I've said. I understand that. But God, I pray that even one word would resonate deeply with us and encourage us and bring us forward into the coming days and weeks in our lives. And God, we just I just pray a blessing on all of our 
Northern Life Church family, Lord. I pray for those that are heading on to vacation or on vacation in the coming days and weeks. Lord, we just pray a blessing on them. Lord, I pray uh, a blessing on those that are, are, are visiting with us, that are visiting with family or different things like that. God, I just pray a blessing on them in these days as well. And God, I just pray that as we just take some time to rest and recharge our batteries this summer, uh, Lord, whether it's with our, our kids or our grandkids or other people, friends and family we have, God, I just pray that your spirit would be upon us and that you'd be with us. And finally, Lord, I just pray for our kids' camp this week. I pray that your gospel is proclaimed to these uh, young children. Lord, that lives are changed, that they're ministered to, strengthened to, and that they uh, would be loved abundantly as you love them. So, God, we just thank you for the opportunity we have. Uh, Father, would you be with Pastor Chris and the team as they lead us in this song?